2: To open Mind UFO Radio. I am your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am here with this quirky little fella, cool little dude, Jason McClellan.
0: Yes, I am here, but Alejandro, I don't know. Week after week, you seem to take great joy in highlighting the fact that I am short. Believe me, I'm quite aware of the fact <laughs> that I am a little dude. You don't need to highlight that.
2: Do I? I? I noticed. You know, I, I did take note when I did it this time, and uh, but I, I didn't realize I do that often. I'm quite
0: sensitive about my my lack of height. Okay. What's one of your favorite features? And that's what I'll highlight from now on. I have fantastic ears. Okay. Great. No, not really. I don't. I don't have a good feature. My good feature oh, is.
2: it out. I don't know. I have a fantastic radio voice. Okay. Okay, so I'll uh, I'll uh, stick to something else next time. No, feel free to rip on
0: me for, for being short. I'm perfectly fine with it.
2: Well, it like I, it's it's an endearing characteristic. I think as long as you say it that way, I'm cool with it. All right, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> So, uh, of course, we are here to talk some UFOs, and in a little bit here, actually, Jason and I are going to bring least Beagle on, and all three of us are going to be talking about the best UFO cases of 2013. Get ready for it, people, because this is awesome. We fight it out. We scream and yell at each other. We're not even friends anymore because uh, this is actually, as you guys know, our interviews are pre-recorded. We just did this like yesterday, but um, yeah, we just got mad. I'm pretending to like Jason, but I'm so mad at him. Yeah, it
0: it got heated. Um, pretty pretty upset today it's it's hard to, to to talk with you Alejandro and put on a happy face we put on a happy face holy, holy crap there were so many stories last year um and uh I think we barely barely had the time to scratch the surface with uh, with all the great stories we wanted to talk
2: about yeah we barely scratched the surface and I think we both talk about this uh about how it was shocking really when you put it all together how many really important things happened last year Right, yeah, definitely. So you'll hear more about that in a bit. However, uh, before we get into all of that, we always like to cover uh, the best UFO news from the last week. And uh, I think it's safe to say that this last week has not been, you know, a, the, so far 2014 has not been a stellar UFO year. You know, I think it takes people a while to recover after the holidays and get <laughs> back to
0: reporting the good old news. So, but you're right, man. Last week was a slow one.
2: Yeah, so pretty slow. So go ahead, Jason. What do you think is your best, uh, the best story? I don't have one. There you go. There we go. Uh, I'm not kidding. Well, I, I
0: would just like to, to highlight uh, this story there. There was a guy who put together a video warning aliens to avoid Earth. Now, he, he did this uh, in, in good fun, but it was a video created in response to, to a blog post he saw that, that said, it's funny how science fiction universes so often treat humans as boring, default everyman species, or even weakest and the dumbest. And, you know, that's, uh, that's true. You know, pop culture likes to depict um, extraterrestrials who come to Earth as being vastly superior and violent and wiping us out and all that. But, uh, you know, the the reason I'd like to mention this is because it highlights something that that I think is a a very common uh, opinion of extraterrestrials, you know, not just in UFO community, but uh, just in humanity in general. We like to think of extraterrestrials as being vastly superior in every way. We like to, to generalize and think that, Aliens or extraterrestrials will have one set of uh, ways they operate, just just one type of extraterrestrial. They will be hostile. They will eat us. They will take our resources. You know, that's a question we hear a lot and see in mainstream media is, you know, will, will aliens be hostile? Will, will they do this? And the real answer to that is, well, number one, we don't know. But number two, there will, be, there, there will most likely be some that, Yes, we'll want to be mean, but there will also potentially be some that are nice. It's just like, look look at humanity. I mean, you can't just dump humanity in one category and say, humans are nice or humans are not nice. It goes all over the spectrum. You know, people are individuals. They have different intents, uh, different behaviors. And you think about the universe and the potential for life to be, the types of life to be infinite, and so we have no idea what to expect but it's safe to say that we can expect a lot of different things so i thought this video was interesting taking a different look at humanity and and warning extraterrestrials to to watch out for earth if they're traveling through space and looking for places to visit and you know some people will say well obviously if they're They have the technology to travel here. They're more advanced than us. Well, that may be true. They may be more advanced than us in terms of space travel, but that doesn't necessarily mean they'll be more advanced in every other way or more capable to eliminate us if we're a threat or have us not be a threat at all. If their immune systems can't handle our environment, if they can't handle the craziness that uh, humans are and the, the desire to be militaristic. And what if they look like giant carrots and they get off their ships and the people who encounter them say, Mmm, I'm hungry. What if they're stoned and they eat <laughs> these carrots? And they go and like take a bite out of them. I mean, you don't know. There, there could be potential risks. I mean, one of the things they highlight in the video is human power sources. One of humans' power sources is other life. We eat other life. So... That's just a warning sign to, uh, to extraterrestrials who might visit. Watch out, because we eat other life.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that that is really uh, interesting, that theory that you just threw out there, and I have not heard that before, uh, the potential that aliens look like food and a stoned human uh, eats them. Well, I'm glad you, you caught that all, Hunter, because
0: that's a... a, a huge theory of mine, and I, I have a book uh, in the works about that. <laughs> oh, that's going to be a good one. That's something yeah. different. <laughs> no, not really. I think I'd have to be stoned to write something like that. Yeah. But no, I, I, it is... You know, there are infinite possibilities. you got to think about things, and people love to throw that out. If they can get here, they're obviously vastly superior to us. You know, I love to think back to an episode of Star Trek, The Next Generation, and I forget the name of the alien race that they encounter, but they are these really dumb guys. Yeah. And... They just happen to find their way along life by stealing technology and things from other superior races, and they look for things, things that make us go. You know, they're they're really dumb, simple characters or, or creatures, but uh, they they manage to get through space. They're not necessarily more advanced than uh, than other life forms they encounter, but they still manage to get from here to there. So. Possibilities exist that people generally don't think about.
2: Yeah, yeah, good point. That's kind of funny. Uh, it was a good, was a funny story that came out last week. Um, another story that I want to mention is your story because uh, this was kind of the big UFO story of the week and this was the UFO caught on radar at the airport in Germany and of course you're going to have some details but essentially um, a week ago right uh, in the evening in uh, Bremen Germany uh, the Bremen airport people witnessed a UFO Uh, the police were alerted they came out by car and by helicopter to look for it Uh, they didn't find it and eventually, you know, some witnesses said it was allowed and it looked like a plane, and then uh, witnesses starting to come forward, it seems like, it, describing a plane. Right,
0: and this is a story, interestingly, that, uh, you know, has a lot of uh, conspiracy theorists forming uh, new theories here, because that that's very interesting with this story, that the initial reports didn't release any sort of description of this object at all, and then you know, after the news broke, then a story started being modified to say that witnesses explained that the object looked like a plane, but was a lot louder. And then the air traffic controllers who previously didn't have a description then described that it had normal lights, red and green approach lights on both sides. So all the descriptions sounding like a simple airplane. But these descriptions weren't in the initial reports, and so a lot of people are are wondering if this is a cover story. They're they're trying to make it go away. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but I do find it fascinating that when we initially did this story, none of the witnesses, the the police who had seen it, the air traffic controllers who had seen it, there was no description of the physical craft.
2: Right, yeah. Kind of interesting. So what do you think?
0: I think it's a total cover-up job, Alejandro. Uh Uh-oh. Not again. No, I don't. I think most likely it's a case of bad reporting, and, you know, they later went back and put in some of the most crucial information, Right. but uh, it is interesting, and I do love these cases when they show up on radar, when police actually witness these things, too, and they go through with an investigation. You know, a lot of times, especially here in the United States, if there's an incident at the airport... You know, it doesn't get discussed. It, it tries—they they try to play it down because, of course, we don't have anything in the in, in aer- airport airspace that shouldn't be there. And if it is, we know exactly what it is because our skies are safe. Yeah, <laughs> that's the illusion that uh, they like to create. But uh, having air traffic controllers being able to get their statements, getting police statements, all of this is put out in the news—it's great to see. So I hope uh, other countries take note.
2: Right. So, and a couple, uh, another thing probably worth mentioning is there were a couple UFO sightings in England, uh, including some video and pictures, and you could go to the website and see that. Uh, Of course, we didn't talk about it because it's not necessarily extremely exciting stuff, but it's kind of cool, you know, something to check out. There wasn't a whole bunch of information uh, given with these pictures and videos, but uh, again, you know, the UK is, is a hot spot. But there's something I forgot to mention, and I want to keep you on the line, Jason, because I know this is something that you utilize, but this is kind of cool. Uh, Open Minds UFO Radio is now um, sponsored by uh, Audible, which is an Amazon company. And essentially, you could go there and get a lot of audio books. So a lot of you guys, you know, of course, listen to the show and are listening to us at work or in your car and uh, – I know when we don't have a show, some of you are like, what am I supposed to do at work? Well, you could work. No. I'm sure some of you can work and listen to stuff at the same time. So you can go to Audible and check it out. And uh, you can go actually get a free trial through us for a month of Audible if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash UFO radio. And check it out. So you use Audible, right, Jason? I do, man. Audible is
0: awesome. And uh, I just started using it last year, and they have various uh, membership levels that give you, you know, uh, more and more books per month that you can, you can download. And, uh, yeah, and I put them on my phone. I put them on my tablet. And, uh, you know, when I have them on my phone. I plug it in to my the stereo in my car when I drive and yeah uh, that's that makes the drive so much better uh listening to books and I don't have a lot of time to read extracurricular books most of my my reading is done for for research and uh all sorts of UFO related stuff but when I want to read anything else uh yeah you know, I don't really have time but I'm always in the car or on a plane or something so being able to to have them on my phone and just listen to these books it's awesome and they have a huge selection and they they have several UFO books as well. So I mean the the offering there is uh not short at all and I yeah, I really like the service. Not to uh toot their horn too much, but I'm happy to.
2: Yeah. Well, and uh so and just so people know, you know, they do have a lot of UFO books. They have uh Leslie Cain's UFOs: General Pilots and Government Officials Go on the Record. I think um I would probably say it, I think Jason and I agree that it that might be the best UFO book out there. Yeah. Uh, if not one of the best. Yeah. And some of the guests we've had on the show, such as uh, Robin Trish McGregor we've had on the show, their Alien book that we talked about. Uh, they have books on it with from Zachariah Sitchin, from Philip Copens, uh, from Travis Walton, um, Jim Maroney, who we've had on the show. So a lot of our guests have their books on audible.com, too. So you could go to audibletrial.com forward slash
0: Radio. They've got some great vintage sci-fi on there, too. And it's fun listening to some of those old sci-fi
2: novels oh, yeah. done in audio book. It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. And what is that URL again, Jason? Why don't you say it, Alejandro? <laughs> I was going to see if you remembered it.
0: AudibleTrial.com forward slash UFO Radio.
2: Yeah, All right. easy one. Cool. All right, thanks very much. My pleasure. So without further ado, let us bring on Lee Spiegel the crack UFO reporter for, uh, for the Huffington Post and talk about some of the coolest UFO stories from 2013. I am so happy to be doing our best of UFO best of 2013 show and we have the incredible the uh, pretty much sole mainstream national news. UFO correspondent, Lee Spiegel, on the phone. Hello, Mr. Spiegel.
1: Oh, more. Don't stop. More, more. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's uh, pretty funny. Uh, he's got great hair. <laughs> he's got hair for his age, which is... Oh, that's right. I have- uh, <laughs> so, and then we're, we've also got Jason on the phone with us, too, because we're all going to talk about our top stories and then we'll discuss them. So the way we'll do this, guys, is Um, we'll go to Lee, we'll ask you, what is your, what is the top story you want to talk about? And then we'll go one at a time. The reason being that I don't, you know, if we had, if we said, let's do all five, who knows if we'll get to it, who knows how much discussion we'll have around each story. And it's going to be a lot of fun to discuss each story, although I'm pretty sure our lists are going to be pretty similar here, though. I'm excited to hear, uh, what you guys talk about. And I guess, no doubt, I'll start off the first story The most important story of the year, hands down, is the Kardashians going to Area 51.
0: (laughs) Well, do do you first want to uh, back yourself up there and uh, lay a case as to why you think that uh, merits discussion here, Alejandro?
2: Just because I went with them. Uh, so I guess for me personally that was my number one story no uh, and I'm, being, I'm kidding but you know what is interesting is uh, Kardashians we also had we had a lot of celebrities and this has been a trend in the last few years a lot of celebrities talking about UFOs not that that's a top story but it is a topic for 2013 that's no. not really my top story but
0: um, it is have, worthy of mention and yeah. uh, you know it, it being that the Kardashians are some of the most talked about people in pop culture, and they've got one of the most popular television shows uh, going right now. It certainly is newsworthy and, and is worthy of mention that they are genuinely interested in UFOs, and I thought it was fascinating that uh, they decided to go out alien hunting at Area 51, and even cooler that they invited you and Travis Walton along. So,
2: Yeah, so... And who else? There's Rihanna. Thanks to you, Jason. You know, and Maureen, you guys interviewed Tom DeLonge. There was um, uh, who's that other singer who sings "This Girl Is on Fire"? Don't do that. <laughs> but uh, her Alicia Keys talking about UFOs. There was um,
0: Russell Crowe with his UFO photo, or his yeah, his UFO photos yeah. that turned out to be a, a, a sailboat, most likely.
2: Right, but he was adamant, you know. And then he talked about the citizens' hearing. Yep. Um, he tweeted about that. So yeah, a lot of celebrity UFO news.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, don't know.
2: I, 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 I have to, I have to go
1: along with, with you, Alejandro. The Kardashian story was.
2: I'm okay. Go ahead. The
1: the the Kardashian story, absolutely was it for me. There was no other, <laughs> There was nothing more credible all year long. Uh, in fact, I, I think that they're, they're going to do a spin-off show now called the $10 Million Kardashian Bounty.
2: Oh, nice. Where you capture a Kardashian?
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, and and you submit it to DNA testing.
2: <laughs> so the That truth. would be
0: some interesting DNA results, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> but, I mean, it was fun. There were a lot of celebrities. I, I just think that this was kind of a... A banner year for celebrities and UFOs, a lot of celebrities talking about UFOs, which is kind of cool.
0: And thanks to you, Mr. Spiegel, Alejandro and I were able to talk a little bit about this on HuffPost Live, so that was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, I I have to tell you, just to pat all of us on the back here for a moment, the three of us probably contributed more overall news about UFOs and related things than any other reporters anywhere. Because we were, we were constantly on it, constantly writing about it. I was constantly stealing from both of you all year. Um, and, and it was always great because I would go to your site to open minds to see what you two were writing about so that I could figure out how I was going to plagiarize you.
2: <laughs> all right, we have evidence. You don't want your boss to hear this.
1: <laughs> that's right, that's right. Well, you know, you've you got to get your stories from somewhere. I prefer to get them from a credible source, and you two are the credible source.
2: Well, thank you.
1: More, more.
2: More, uh, more.
1: <laughs> well, that's well, true. And, and you, you, the other thing about the three of us that, that I really think is so important after so many years of working in this field, the three of us have no problem sharing information with each other. Yeah. You know, and you can't say that about almost any other writers in this field.
2: Or others, you know. We share with everyone who wants to share.
1: Yeah. So thank you. you Well,
2: you know, and now getting seriously into the story, there are, when I looked at my list and I put it together, I think there are a lot of really game-changing stories, groundbreaking stories for 2013. Uh, in the realm of UFOs, a lot changed. The whole landscape's different than a year ago. Yeah, you right. Uh, and something that's yeah. interesting
0: when we look back at stor- top stories from the, from the previous year, it's always, it blows my mind because I, I don't know about you guys, but when you're in this every single day studying and researching news about UFOs and extraterrestrials, I lose track of time. You know, yeah. I look back at stories that happened this year and I was like, holy cow, that was that was just this year. I <laughs> Right. I, I don't know. The years
1: blend together with these stories. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I and not to get ahead of ourselves here, I would say that for me, uh the most groundbreaking piece of information or kind of story that kind of evolved over the year, but really by the end of the year it was really big time. It's like, Well, here we go into twenty fourteen how are we going to deal with drones going forward from this point on?
2: Yeah, you know, do you want to treat this as your first story, Lee? Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know how
1: important it is other than the fact that as more and more drones are made available, where people can go into their, their Home Depot or Lowe's or hardware store and get the materials not terribly expensive to be able to put together something that looks like a flying saucer. You can remote control it. You can put lights around it. And you can fly these things around now. And, and within hours, you've got headlines of UFOs in different areas. And, and they're not really UFOs. And it's going to cloud the whole UFO issue for for a while now, as the drones get more and more sophisticated, and as more and more people want their little 15 minutes of fame by being the cause of these UFO sightings.
2: Uh Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we're kind of screwed now. (laughs) I mean, looking (laughs) at the drone stories recently, I agree. It used to be in the last few years, it's been Chinese lanterns. If, If it's an orange or it's a Chinese lantern. And, you know, 99% of the time that's true. But sometimes even, you know, us, uh, some of those things we blow off as, as Chinese lanterns maybe aren't. But now if it's an orange or moving slowly and fading out, oh, it's a Chinese lantern. But now we have these drones. And so now if it's a flashing light changing colors zipping around quickly in the sky, which previously, before the drones was one of the most exciting types of sightings and fairly frequent. I mean, it's something that I've heard throughout my whole lifetime people saying. Now, something like that is going to be relegated to, oh, it's a drone, um, when it could be an exciting real UFO sighting. And so I think you're right. I think we're entering an arena where um, we're in trouble. As technology gets better, it's going to be almost impossible to decipher what is man-made and what is not. Well, yeah, and, and and go ahead, Lee. Well, I was going to say that for me, the, the ultimate
1: UFO video hoax of the whole year was something that, uh, that you, Alejandro, helped to expose, and you turned me onto it, was the, um, the, the drone that appeared over a baseball game in Vancouver, British Columbia. Yeah. 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 And I was going to say
2: about that, that's a game changer, too, because yeah. Yeah. you know what happened with that? I didn't think it would work. It came out, you know, they flew the thing around. I thought, okay, this is probably a marketing ploy. If it is, they're not going to get any, um, if they don't admit it, you know, and if not many people make a big story out of this, they're not going to get any juice out of this. They're going to go through this whole effort and not get any juice. Well, the story goes international. Then they come out and say it was us, it was a drone. Then every... newspaper that wrote an original story did a follow-up paper, so boom, they get this instant international, uh, you know, uh, recognition that this Vancouver um, planetarium hoaxed the whole thing, so it was a tremendous success, and now, just this week, we see California with the crop circle, same kind of thing, they make the crop circle, gets international news, and video comes out and says it's us boom instantly everybody's writing about that, and they instantly have some international press so now we have you know people with big resources hosting things to as a marketing stunt and the success that these two people have had is just going to mean we're going to see more of this
0: right and I think yeah you know, that, that shows the importance of the importance and the difficulty of what the three of us do and I, I I know that a lot of people contact us and wonder why we cover so many stories of things that are most likely easily identifiable, like Chinese lanterns, like RC aircraft, like blimps. But the big problem here and, is people need to be educated. People aren't used to seeing things, certain, these types of objects in the sky, so when they see them, they look weird. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many times they come up in the news. Chinese, I mean, we th- we like to think Chinese lanterns were, you know, a big thing last year or the year before. They're always going to be a big thing because there's always going to be people who aren't familiar with seeing Chinese lanterns in the sky. They see it. It's weird to them. They're going to put a bi- video up and say, wow, check out this UFO. I mean, it's an ongoing problem we're going to face, and you're not going to be able to educate everybody, but if we try as much as we can when these stories come up and make it big in the news, try to show people what these things look like, describe their behavior. Hopefully more and more people will get used to them and will stop seeing so many of these sightings cluttering the potentially genuine and more interesting cases. That come. Right.
1: Yep, exactly. Yeah, you, well, you're, you're, you're right, Jason. And from, from, from my perspective... I get comments at the end of my stories and I get e- emails sent to me by people everywhere complaining to me and and accusing me of spending wasting my time wasting their time on on crap stories that you know like why is the Huffington Post letting him even write about these things who's who's controlling this guy you know what kind of a reporter is he well <laughs> You know, they, they think that it's okay to back me into a wall and say, you shouldn't be writing about this. Well, well why not? Well, or what should I be writing about instead? Give, give me a better option. Uh, it, it's very frustrating to me that I'm, I'm put into a situation where people are actually complaining about what I'm reporting about. And I don't, just, I don't just write stories because, well, I need a story today, so let's just see if I can find anything to write about. That's not how I go about doing this, and, and, and neither do you guys.
2: Yeah, those punks. <laughs> those punks.: Yeah, one thing that's true of 2013 and uh, since the invention of the Internet is that Internet trolls suck. Yeah. <laughs> but let's get into the top story. So Lee Spiegel, you are number one. What is your top one of your top UFO stories of the year? Well, well, you know what, uh, the, the, the story that, for me, I think I wrote three or four stories
1: about this, and they garnered, for me, the, the biggest reader hits of the year, and I'm assuming you got big hits, too, because the three of us were so busy, involved with the little alien or the little humanoid oh. called Ada, you know, and this wasn't even really a UFO story, but boy, it belongs in the category somehow. Absolutely. Uh, it
2: belongs in the category, but for me, it ranked really low on the list when I put my list together. Uh, when I thought of the results, I understand what you're saying because it did bring in a lot of hits, and that's why it's on the list, but um, uh, when I looked at the results, it added nothing. In fact, it's not anything. it was negative in that it just was a whole silly debacle. Um, best case, the cryptozoological type of thing um, but what's funny about this is the whole kind of, and I know people are going to get mad at us, and sure enough, you bring it up because now we're going to make a lot of people mad. But <laughs> it's almost like a Giorgio Tsoukalos type of thing. If you don't know what it is, it's alien. Um, we have no clue, you know, uh, exactly the nature behind the background of this thing. Although I listened to, we have Stephen Gray's DNA expert. He says it's human. I don't know. It probably has some deformities, but it's human. We have several now uh, experts in fossils and some with fetus fossils who have said it's definitely a fetus. Uh, it's probably mummified, and that's why you have these strange bone uh, anomalies that they've been seeing. Uh, so it probably wasn't a, even a deformed human. It was just a human fetus that's been mummified. So we have all of this, and then in the background, people say, oh, we don't know what it is, so it's got to be an alien. I guess yeah. for the weird social kind of thing that happened, you know, it, it's a big story that way.
1: Well, and, and you know, and there is some kind of an indirect UFO connection here because while the experts were were trying to to figure out what this creature was, you know, whether it was a, an unborn fetus or whether it was. A creature that actually lived to be six or eight years old. I mean, there's a controversy right there. How do you how do you how do you differentiate all that information? But then the Stephen Greer connection to it. He's he's the one who kind of brought it to the American consciousness. And here's a guy who who basically part of what he does uh, is is he gets groups of people together to pay a lot of money to go on these weekend excursions into the wilderness and sitting on 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 like in you know, a little picnic chairs closing their eyes meditating and calling for ufos and aliens to come visit them well you know it's like my head was exploding from all of this stuff um and and so it made it a, a bigger story for me because it wasn't just the story about the little alien it was all the other stuff that that surrounded the little creature uh that that just didn't seem plausible or credible to me and and I don't necessarily like the idea of anybody taking money from people and promising them to have an extraterrestrial visitation or encounter in the wilderness I don't I don't like that I don't like how people who are already gullible who who will give up their hard-earned money to do that even if they are strong believers in this because it never actually really pans out even when they have night vision photography or videos to to confirm that they're being visited by something in the sky you can't you cannot say definitively that oh those lights that are moving in those strange patterns are from you know, zeta reticuli you can't do that it's it's not it's not right uh it's inconclusive and it just brings the credibility for me way down which is why the story for me was a big story. I agree. It definitely merits uh,
0: mention in this list. It did generate not only massive headlines in the UFO extraterrestrial community, but uh, mainstream media throughout the world. It was a big story, and the most frustrating thing about this story to me, like with a lot of other stories, is that people make up their minds very quickly and will, for some reason, latch on to one or two uh sources or statements by you know certain people that they want to believe and they refuse to look at any of the other evidence they refuse to consider any other possibilities they've already made up their mind before looking at the evidence and there are still to this day so many people who will not believe that uh what was his name Nolan Do you guys remember Oh yeah is? the
2: uh, scientist Yes Gary Nolan Gary Gary Nolan, Nolan. Yeah
0: straight from his mouth saying that without a doubt it's human there are so many people who will not accept yeah. the fact that he said that they'll, they'll read statements comments that he made in the journal Science things like that and you know, they'll invent conspiracies on their own saying well that wasn't actually him saying that no why would he have said this in in serious and you know, they just create their own reality they listen to what they want to listen to but ignore other things that uh, you know are some of the most important things, in my opinion. So,
1: yeah, yeah and, and, and you know the other thing also, Jason, with that is people will attack you and Alejandro and me simply because we're part of media. We're, we're the, the reporting media, and if if we think something. Uh, is non-credible. Whoa, oh my gosh, you know, who are these guys? How dare they write about this? You know, how dare they ridicule? We're not ridiculing anybody. We're, we're trying to keep people honest. It's part that's of our jobs as, as right. uh,
0: members of the CIA to be downers. Yeah, we have to right. be downers. We can't get excited about anything. We've got to burst everybody's bubble.
2: Right, right. I mean, and to both of your points, you know, with, uh, with Nolan's statement, You know, even Greer, when we interviewed him, was saying, well, no, he didn't say that. He said dot, dot, dot. No, he didn't say dot, dot, dot. He said this. And he said it several times. He made himself very clear in several different arenas. Um, If that's his opinion, that's his opinion, you know. Um, We can't change that. Right. So, and then the other thing attached to this was the documentary Sirius, which came out which I love the guys who made it. They're really cool. It was very well produced. I love Thomas King, who, who narrated it. But it really was just kind of a run-of-the-mill, another you know, documentary, really didn't add uh, anything we didn't know before. So it wasn't really a game-changer or anything to me. But, um, yeah, this was a big story. Yes, sir. So, Jason, what uh, about yeah. you? Well,
0: I'm, I'm going to go uh, to very early in the year, and this is a story that uh, was sort of a continuation from something that made headlines in late 2012. But I want to talk about the, uh, the UFOs along India's border. Mm. Now, this is back in November of 2012. Members of the Indian Army and the Indo-Tibetan Border Police Force, they witnessed more than 100 UFOs along the, the border with China over a two-and-a-half-month period. And several agencies were investigating these things, including the the Indian Astronomical Observatory, the the Indian Army themselves, the National Technical Research Organization, and the Defense Research Development Organization, and they were unable to identify what these hundreds of UFOs were. Well, moving to beginning of 2013, uh, so many uh, media outlets were covering this, and one in particular, uh, I think it was... India's uh, Z News, they reported that scientists and experts uh, suspected that the UFOs were simply, like we said, Chinese lanterns, um, as part of a psychological operation. Now, there's no idea here where this information was coming from, but after this story came out, Other media organizations seem to accept that and just completely drop the stories. They they were identified. They were Chinese lanterns. But uh, in the middle of 2013, in July, the Telegraph published an article asserting that the UFOs still had experts baffled. So it said that uh, the director of the Indian Institute of Astrophysics said they were still unidentified. They were still investigating it. They had no idea what they were. But previous articles had said that, uh, some said they were Chinese lanterns, some also said that they were uh, astronomical, being a planet, a planet that uh, these people misidentified. And I don't know why there would be 100 planets uh, crossing the border there, (laughs) and I don't know why the Indian Astronomical Observatory, people who saw these things with their own eyes, by the way, would not understand that they were looking at celestial objects. And in fact, they specifically mentioned when this story first broke that they had ruled out celestial objects. So to me, this is one very fascinating story. There was never a conclusion to it. And just another example of media going crazy and not following up on sources, not uh, being very good in their reporting, and people not looking back and looking at the contradictions going on here and starting to question, hey, I wonder... Which story is accurate, and why aren't these people able to figure out what's going on? These are military people. These are astronomers and scientists, all looking at this pretty substantial UFO case. And I was very frustrated by the, uh, the back and forth with inaccurate reporting in my case.
1: Yeah. I, I think, like, I think uh, Brian, I think that the final report on that probably should have simply been Nobody knows for sure what these lights were, what these objects were. We're not saying, we're not suggesting that there were uh, alien ships. Uh, all that we're saying is, and this is not said often enough, is we don't know. All right, I love that. Yep.
2: Yeah, I agree. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I had seen the different stories, and there were small stories. But now that you mention it, when you put the whole thing together... You're right, this is a big story, and it seems like, because it's been coming up for like the last year or so, it might not have gone away. I mean, we may hear some more from it. I
0: hope we do, and that's a problem with a lot of these interesting cases, especially ones that are in other countries. You know, we'll hear a little bit from whatever American press will pick up from foreign sources, but then it kind of dies, and we don't know if it's in local media and these other countries, unless we're specifically looking for it. But it is hard to see if there's follow-up to any of these foreign stories.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's entirely possible, too, that the the powers that be in different countries are actually pleased when these stories die out and nobody really tries to push harder to get information because some countries don't want the real information to come out. Yeah. Oh,
2: you're such a conspiracy man. Ooh, I know. That's why I'm always
1: dressed in black. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. (laughs)
2: Okay, my turn. Your turn. Okay, mine. the number one, and I'm going to do the top ones first so we can get... For me, the number one story is the end of the UK files. We got the last batch of the UK files. It's an end of an era. The UK has been investigating UFOs since 1950, but that is finally all wrapped up. They're no longer doing it. If you call the MOD right now and say... I saw a giant hovering UFO and it, it just abducted my neighbors in their house. Um, they're going to say, tough crap, call someone else. We don't care. Have you uh, tried? Is that what they actually say? What's that?
0: Have you tried? Is that what they actually say?
2: Well, they've sent out memos that say that's what they would say. I'm, I'm of <laughs> course, elaborating, but they would say, sorry, we don't investigate UFOs. Call your local authorities. So, uh, it's, and I think it's, it's important to both. It's important because it's the end of an era. The U.K. government's no longer going to be looking into UFOs. We finally have the last of their files. They're also no longer going to be giving out any more files. According to them, they've given all of their UFO files. They're all out there. Leave us alone. And here again, even though they blow it off and say, look, look at these files. There's nothing interesting in them. There's nothing that warrants us looking into UFOs. When you look at the files themselves, yet again, this batch of files, had a lot of really great, interesting stories. Um, the most interesting being uh, police helicopters, several incidents of police helicopters having UFOs come up. In one instance, a UFO came up, flew around it, and kept flying, kind of bugging it. Um, you know, and they, people speculated perhaps it was a, a remote-controlled plane, but come on, a remote-controlled plane chasing a police helicopter. And uh, flying around it, uh, the Airprox board, which we've heard about, that investigates the near looked into several of these, and uh, they came up with unknowns. And the MOD's responses on several of these were pretty bad. One of them happened in Ireland, and so they said, "Well, that's Ireland's problem." Uh, they essentially kept blowing them off and said, "Well, the local authority, somebody else should look into it. It's not us." But uh, even though there are these incredible reports, so. Again, UK files are full of some of the best UFO stories that have come out this year, and um, it's the end of both the UK UFO investigation um, history, it's a, and then end of the era.
0: Well, I know I am entirely too optimistic, but I am hopeful that we have not seen the end, that in another couple years, they'll release batches again of the same files, but you know, we'll have phases of of files, batches that come out that are slightly less redacted. So we get a little more information that's in those files with less black marker over certain...
2: Yeah, maybe kind of like the FBI did this year where they posted some files... And everybody thought they were just they were brand new, which they weren't. They've been out for decades, right. but they made a big deal out of them. Yeah.
1: Well, and let, let's not forget, you know, Alejandro, you just mentioned uh, the the prox board. You know, this is a really interesting uh, kind of a follow up uh, or update about the UK files. Even though the the UK officially got out of looking into UFOs in 1969, and they closed all their all their investigation offices and facilities. What, what then happened was the Civil Aviation Authority in the UK then turned to the Air Prox Board and said, you can have any sightings now that deal specifically with airline encounters.
2: Well, no, the Air Prox Board has been around for a while. Right. right but it's and, not anything and, new that they gave them anything new, but they're the lone standing people looking into these unknowns <clears throat> that involve near misses. Right, exactly, because the Air
1: Force Board specifically deals uh, with near misses between one aircraft and another aircraft, and they try and kind of sort out the details. But they're also, as part of that, they're looking into things like like the case that you and I both recently looked into um, uh, about how airline pilots may, may actually think that they're being buzzed or almost on a collision course there's something that's not a conventional aircraft, but it's something else that scares them to the point where they want to report it. And then once the report is made and the Air prox board does all their investigation, we don't get to see it or hear about it for another six months because it's like yeah. every, five, every five or six months is when they release the information.
0: Uh, uh, in my opinion, I think the AirPROX board is one of the most exciting uh, groups out there right now because yeah. they're actively investigating, doing full-on investigations of these near misses, and we're getting some of the best information out of that, I think. So I'm excited to hear what else comes out of the Air Prox Board in the coming year.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And, I, and, you know, one, one of the, my, my biggest stories not for 2013 was but for 2012 was our friend Nick Pope, um, who, who used to work with the Ministry of Defense for a few years. He was investigating UFO reports for the, uh, the, the British government, and he, he told me about a thing that they called spin and dirty tricks. Right. And, <clears throat> and what that was, and I do think it's worth mentioning here, you know, two years after the fact, is, is that while he was involved with the UFO investigations out there, he was told specifically to downplay any UFOs that came through his hands and to even ridicule, the UFO reporters, if they had to, in order to make the stories go away, and I said, well, why would you do that? That seems unethical. He said, it's because there were too many UFO reports um, that we actually couldn't explain, and the government didn't want to tell the public that there, there was something operating in our skies that we couldn't explain or control, and so we had to downplay everything, and it was called Spin and Dirty Tricks, and I never forgot that.
2: Yeah, and I want to just, I guess, to wrap this one up, I agree with you guys on the AirPROX board. Really, it's one of the lone government governmental agencies out there uh, of a large country where we're getting continued uh, investigation of, of some of these unknowns, and like Lee mentioned, this actually made it to my number six top of the list. I think that London sighting where the pilot said he actually had to physically duck, which was investigated by the Air Prox Board. It's right. one of the best stories of the years also, so that has made it to my list. But uh, now, Lee, what is your next top story? Of- well,
1: you know, I, this, this next top story, uh, it, it, you know, we're, we're all familiar with this. Because of the man involved, uh, let me just mention his name, retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Richard French. What? I know. I, I I know, uh, but but well, listen. For what it's worth, this guy made my last two years in a row top stories list. I mean, he's wow. like the he's the, he was the blue ribbon guy for me for two years because, first of all, you know whether you believe him or not, uh, he claimed in t- 2012 that there was not just one crash at Roswell in 1947, but there were two crashes, and in fact, we shot them down. And, and so, I, you know, on, on just the merits of who he was and his background, I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt, even though he could never substantiate the story. And then all of a sudden, in 2013, he comes roaring back... <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, at, the, at the citizen hearing disclo- of, of disclosure in Washington, D.C., and he tells this incredible story about how he was part of the Air Force's Project Blue Book, and he was sent to Newfoundland to investigate two UFOs that had reportedly submerged in water, and he went there, and he saw these two circular craft uh, under the water, and there was like a crowd of 100 people there, he says, that saw He saw three-foot-tall humanoids looking like they were performing some repairs on one of the ships. And, and the ship, like, you know, gradually came out of the water. It flew around a little bit, came back, went back underwater. The little creatures finished the repairs, and then both ships flew away. And I'm going, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is from a, re- a retired Air Force guy who claims he was part of Project Blue Book. And... And I said to him, what kind of report did you file? He said, well, it was, it was kind of a crappy report because um, I was supposed to debunk UFO reports at the time, and so I debunked my own sighting. i okay, we like, okay, we've got to give him some mention here for... I don't
2: think so. At I... the very
1: least, his creativity, if he's making this stuff up, Alejandro. No,
2: it's not creative at all. This is I'm so disappointed that this made your list. This is so ridiculous, possibly because we have dozens of people coming to us all the time who make these crazy, wild claims. I mean, you probably get them. We get emails every day from people making all of these wild, ridiculous claims. He's no different than any of the others. In fact, we all have evidence of, of him not being accurate whatsoever. He didn't even know this second case is a rehashing of Shag Harbor with all of the facts wrong, but the bare part of the story, he says this took place near, in Nova Scotia, which is near Shag Harbor, but not quite, a year that is quite a little bit different. Otherwise, he steals parts of the facts and stuff. He didn't even know about Shag Harbor until he came to our office, and Antonio showed him our magazine and said, look, we have uh, one case of, of Shag Harbor in here and Antonio told him about it because he seemed real interested. All of a sudden, he's here at the citizen hearing saying he was part of it, but he has his facts wrong on it. He said, I wrote Blue Book? Blue Book was not a book you write. It was a bunch of cases. This is a guy who is just talking and blabbing, and and it's just barely coherent. This is one of these ridiculous, most ridiculous things ever, and does not belong on this list.
1: Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what. If, if you know, and I'm, 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 I'm I, if if I'm wrong, then I'm the first to admit it. Uh, and and I would say, you know, we should we should combine our, our powers of investigation here and do uh, a, a definitive story and take this guy down if if he's if he's you know telling us. Uh, I don't feel it's
2: worth my time. If you really. want to do it, go for it. But. Um... I I don't have time chasing all these people with their crazy claims. I'd rather chase uh, some of them with the, with the good stuff. But of well, course, if I, you I feel mean, that I, it, I, it may be credible, then and then pursue it. And I, I hope you. I wish you all the best. I mean, I mean, I know that I, when Antonio Huneus first interviewed this guy a couple of years ago,
1: um, he sh- he was able to confirm that that uh, French was in fact with the Air Force. That that he had like an amazing record in terms of how many. Uh, fighter pilot missions he'd been on. I mean, well, no, he
2: claimed to have flown the most fighter pilot missions ever. Yeah, which John Alexander said there's absolutely no way. It was confirmed he was a, a jet fighter pilot, though.
1: Well, right. So I guess my bigger question is, as we as we leave him behind, is why do why do any of us pay any attention to a guy who's formerly with the Air Force, who was a jet fighter pilot, who comes out with these kinds of stories? Why, why do we not let him tell a story and let him bury himself? Why, do, why, do we, why should we just disregard it altogether?
2: Well, we did. And Antonio, I mean, we're the ones who broke the story. Antonio really was the one to do the first interview. And in the very first interview, Antonio even mentioned he, is, uh, he has reservations because a lot of his facts were wrong. Um, but here's the story for what it is. I guess, I guess I think that it, it needs more of a conclusion
1: than just Antonio saying, I have reservations, we can't believe this guy. I think that, that someone should really put the whole thing to rest so that he's not lingering anymore in the Go mind. You know. So I may do that, and please don't hate me if I do. That sounds yeah. like a job for Lee Spiegel.
2: <laughs> no, I'd never hate you, Lee Spiegel.
1: Oh, thank you, thank you. You, you guys are my people. Well, I want to
2: hear, Jason, you didn't type in.
0: Pipe in what? It's time for my next story.
2: <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> we're running out of time. We've got to get more stories in. There were so many stories.
2: Jason, Good. please the fifth uh, on that one. But go ahead, Jason. What's your next one?
0: All right. Well, I know Lee's going to like this one. But this is something that I get really excited about. And uh, I'm going to talk about our friend, Professor Chandra Oh
2: now,
0: This is a guy who's very controversial in his science, but back in uh, January of 2013 in the Journal of Cosmology, he and his uh, colleagues published a paper claiming that they discovered evidence of extraterrestrial life in a meteorite. It was fossilized extraterrestrials, fossilized diatoms, which is a type of algae that uh, they claim they detected in this meteorite, therefore providing strong evidence to support. He's a big proponent of the theory of panspermia, the idea that life can travel from World, the world on meteorites and other things, but uh, they were pretty pretty confident that uh, they discovered extraterrestrial fossil, fossilized extraterrestrials in this meteorite. It met with uh, some harsh criticism from other scientists, but uh, you know he's had many studies uh, where he believes he's found extraterrestrial life. And again, in September of 2013, he was part of a team who believed they found extraterrestrial life. Uh, in a meteor in meteor shower debris, they collected they sent up a balloon in the, the stratosphere and it came down and they had they claimed they, they found small biological organisms that could have only come from space so Chandra Rugramsinga continues to be in the news he was in in the news the year before, and in two thousand and thirteen claiming that we have indeed scientific proof that extraterrestrial life exists
1: and I, I give you Jason very high marks for being the only person I know who can actually pronounce his name.
2: Oh, believe
0: me, I did thorough research (laughs) on that guy's name when I first wrote about him.
2: (laughs) You know, and and I think part part of that guy's team is this scientist Richard Hoover, who's going to be speaking at the UFO Congress. I'm so excited to hear from him because he's going to be reviewing uh, those cases because Richard Hoover, a NASA scientist, he, he agrees with Chandra, and um, uh, they, he's part of the team where they believe, yeah, we've already got evidence for extraterrestrial life.
0: Right, there have been a lot of a lot of uh, cases throughout history, and scientists scientists differing, and that's that's what scientists do. I mean, scientists are humans. We we have differing opinions, and you see a lot of bickering in science. I mm-hmm. think a lot of people in the, uh, the UFO arena are under the false assumption that mainstream science thinks one way and the UFO community thinks the other way. No, that's not true at all. You have many scientists who entertain uh, extraterrestrial ideas and you have many mainstream scientists, and Richard Hoover is a great example, a former NASA astrobiologist and other scientists throughout history who have said that data from, from certain missions, from, from various missions, have proved that extraterrestrial life was discovered, and that's what Hoover's going to discuss during his talk at the International UFO Congress, talking about the, the Viking missions from the 70s and, and different things where sci- mainstream scientists have disagreed, but you know there are certainly many on the side that say data indicates that we've discovered extraterrestrial life and uh-huh. on various, various bodies in, yeah. our, in our own solar system, so it's pretty hey, exciting hey, stuff. Hey,
1: you, you know, the, the, these kinds of stories very closely parallel uh, a lot of the controversy that's going on now with, with the whole DNA question about Bigfoot. Uh, it's like we, we have skeptics and debunkers who who very easily jump at the facts of things that are being analyzed and looked at by, by scientists, and in order to make the stories go away, the debunkers will very easily say... Oh, those things that are coming from outer space, um, somehow they must have been uh, involved with human contamination once they were, once they started looking at them. Like the humans, the scientists weren't wearing the right kind of gloves. Any kind of contamination can, can destroy any possible evidence. And they, they do the same thing with Bigfoot DNA analysis. Oh, humans must have somehow touched something or sneezed on it or whatever. That's like the new fallback thing for debunkers, human contamination.
0: But it it, is pretty valid. It is, and it's certainly something that needs to be considered, and it it should be thrown out. But I agree with you, Lee. It's something that's very very too easily thrown out as as something to say, this is definitive, of course it's contamination, dismissed. Next, without considering or, or looking further. I I think hardcore skeptics, the people who who don't want to entertain the extraterrestrial idea, are the ones who will throw that out as the definitive end to that story, and they move on.
2: Yep. So let's move on ourselves. Yes. uh, To get to more stories. And here's my number, oh no, my number two, is uh, the Peruvian government opening up uh, their UFO agency. So those guys. Yeah, that's awesome. That's a big deal. There's not many governments that have an official UFO investigation um, organization. A lot of people don't know that any government has one, but now this is like the first uh, government to do that. So uh, that's, that's a big deal, I think, you know. Um, next. Lee. Well, and, and you know, I, I believe that,
1: that it was at the, uh, the the citizen hearing on disclosure in Washington, where I think that the the, uh, the man I'm t- talking about was was a jet fighter for the Peruvian Air Force, unless I'm wrong about the actual country. But he told a story, a riveting story, about how he, as as like the the best jet fighter pilot in that Air Force, was scrambled in his jet to go up and to pursue and chase and try to bring down uh, an unexplained craft that was over the Air Force Base, and his story was unbelievable. I I mean, really, you could have heard a pin drop as he was telling it. It was so credible, Yeah. uh, and how he he shot everything he had at it after it wouldn't acknowledge radio contact with him, and he had missiles on his jet aircraft that he said... The individual missile could bring down big trucks. He shot like 30 or 40 of these missiles at this craft, and it never seemed to go anywhere near it. And he had the he was like the best fighter 40. pilot. He could take anything down, and and he had like an amazing dogfight with an unexplained object that was, I think, one of the more credible stories of of any year. Uh, because nobody disbelieved him, nobody discounted him when he, he was debriefed after the encounter. They looked through all the files and all the pictures of known aircraft that could, that could have those kinds of capabilities that, that this craft had. They couldn't find anything. I mean, not even, even if it was a test aircraft from some other country, uh, how could it withstand the kind of, of missile attack on it that this guy gave and nobody could figure it out and that was like such an amazing story to me. Yeah, they have a
2: lot of incredible cases. In fact, uh, they had some sightings out in a rural town and the news went out there and they got some UFO video themselves and that's what spurned the group from uh, starting up again. Uh, so, you have some great stories. So, yeah. what's your next top 2013 story? That would be Jason, I think, right? No, it's you. You, Mr. Spiegel.
1: Oh, <clears throat> well, I, I actually um, it, again it's, it's not just UFO related, but boy it's, it's engaging, it's important, it involves extraterrestrials the, the I give praises to the little spaceship that could called Kepler uh, right. I love kepler. Yeah, I mean, come on, kepler yeah, discovered so many planets um. You know, that Kepler has discovered at least 800 new possible p- planets and leading all astronomical scientists to believe now that practically every star or sun in our galaxy probably has planets around them. I, I mean, amazing statistics. And in February of 2013, scientists suggested that billions not thousands, not millions, but billions of Earth-like planets are much closer to reality than we ever imagined. And that's like, whoa! I mean, the, the, whole, the whole thing about how uh, the late Carl Sagan would say, if we're the only ones here, what a waste of space there is out there. Well, in our, in our galaxy alone, and we now know... That there are probably billions of galaxies. The numbers are staggering, but the the numbers of Earth-like planets that might have life, that might have intelligent life, in our galactic neighborhood is staggering, um, and and so if 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 UFOs are, if some UFOs, not all, of course, if some UFOs may be traveling here from other places. Um, there are potentially a lot of places they could be coming from if, if they figured out how to do it.
0: Right, and I think largely uh-huh. thanks to Kepler, you know, we're, we're yeah. hearing a lot more discussion about habitable worlds, um, places where life could exist. And even in December, there were congressional hearings on extraterrestrial life. So this is becoming a very hot topic in mainstream science. So it's getting to be very exciting. Many more missions are underway. Many more tools. Are being implemented here, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah. within the, the within the next ten years, I'll say a lot of scientists say the next twenty years, but I think within the next ten years, mainstream science will have definitive proof of extraterrestrial life.
1: Oh, I I, I agree, and I think even now, the public really is excited about. Oh yeah. How many planets Absolutely. have actually been discovered? I mean, people love this stuff.
2: And ten years ago, maybe longer, but around ten, you know, when I was a kid, certainly when SETI started up, they were seen as fringe. Now it's like the topic. It's yeah, the, b- the big story in science. So I say, go Kepler.
1: We love you. All right,
2: good one, Lee. You redeemed yourself from your last one. <laughs> <Thank> well, <you. laughs> I hate, hate to
0: be a downer, but but Kepler. Is being retooled because he's broken.
2: Yeah. And, uh, but he's got some friends going up there. He's yeah, got,
0: yeah, and he's gonna his per, mission is being repurposed. He can't do exactly what he was doing before, but uh, but we have new and better
2: telescopes getting up there, so his his mission that he started will will go on.
0: How dare you? Kepler's the best. No one's better than Kepler. He's cool, but
2: that's right. All right, well, okay. I'll jump
0: onto to my next story here, and I'll Go just uh, cram a bunch of things together and kind of group it all into an overall, man, it, it certainly seemed to be the year of Area 51. Area <laughs> yeah. 51 was in so many different stories. I mean, first of all, it was officially acknowledged by the CIA, so Area 51 now officially exists. Um, but there were also stories about Element 115, how they're, you know, that, that's waiting to be confirmed, but they're closer to confirming the existence of Element 115. So a lot of people were saying, oh, yay, Bob Lazar, you know, his, his, uh, his stories are being confirmed. And, but, you know, Element 15, one, the, the theories behind that existed before Bob Lazar, of course. But then we got uh, news that, uh, or what Bob Lazar is currently up to you know, with his current company. Uh, what is it, United Nuclear? I forget what it, yeah. you know, it's called. But he also apparently has, a, has military contracts or contracts with, uh, what was the company, Alejandro
2: Lockheed? Uh, I think it was Halliburton.
0: Maybe. But yeah, so, some sort of contract for government work. And, uh, and then Obama, the first president to mention Area 51 during his speech. So, I mean, Area 51 kept popping up all over the place this year.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. I think, you know... Um, a lot of people are like, well, we already knew about Area 51. Well, we did, but there was still that edge of skepticism and um, it's it confirming, and I got this you know, from the interviews from mainstream people, is that uh, now that it's out, now that it's been um, declassified, that is a big deal. It's a game changer because it's been around for decades, and, and, but it hasn't been acknowledged, and now it finally is. So, yeah, that's a big deal. Yep. Your
0: next story, Alejandro.
2: My next story, my next story was just above Area 51. My third story, and Lee mentioned it, is the citizens' hearings. I do have that as my number three because, um, you know, I don't know if it it was ran the way I would have done it if I would have had maybe a different group of people there or whatever, and I know – we probably all feel like that in the field. Of, I would have done it this way or that way. And if I would have done it, a lot of people, you guys might have felt the same. Oh, you should have done this. You should have done that. But you know what? He he pulled it off. Stephen Bassett pulled it off. It got a lot of press. You had Mike Gavel, who was one of the retired, um, you know, um, politicians, going out to the news and talking about UFOs and talking about how he believes in UFOs and everything. So this thing, I think, made a lot of news, and it got a lot of information out. And so it didn't create congressional hearings, which was his ultimate goal, but uh, that's kind of shooting for the moon type of thing. But you know what? It did accomplish a lot. It, uh, you know, Lee, you're the perfect person to talk to about it because you were live streaming, uh, watching it, and uh, live texting and, and reporting on it. But uh, the citizen hearing is mine. That was, uh, besides the Dick French presentation there, a lot of the others were really impressive.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know, and I did a live blog, as you said, every day of it, and, and um, many of the speakers, uh, they, they set it up as if it was a real congressional hearing, even though it wasn't. There were these six retired members of Congress who were listening to testimony from, a, for the most part, a really interesting group of international people came, coming together in Washington to tell their stories. Um, There were some people whose, I wouldn't even call it testimony, I didn't think they should be there because it was just boring. But then there were others, uh, like some of the folks from the South American countries who would come to talk about credible things going on in South America. Uh, I think think the press, for the most part, gave it a a good shake. Uh, A lot of the the media kept referring to it as a mock hearing and it's never going to go anywhere. Um, even though I know that they would still like to try and bring the the efforts of this uh, to the attention of the United Nations, but I, I give Steve Brassett a lot of credit for for organizing it. it. It couldn't have been an easy job for for him to do to get all these people together and to keep them all together in one place. Um, so so yeah, I think that they they did a really good job. they They focused public attention on it. And uh, I think we should have more. Um, sessions like that, more, even if they're mock congressional sessions, we need more of that to maintain some credibility about UFOs. Mm-hmm. And to
0: keep it in the public spotlight. You know, yeah. not everybody yeah. heard about the citizen hearing, but a lot of people did, and certainly a lot of people outside the UFO field. So the more you can do these things to bring it into the public spotlight, the more I think you get people to start Looking into it for themselves and understanding the reality of the situation. So I, I, I agree, Lee. I think we need more, and uh, I think the citizens hearing, you know, for what it for what it was, it did a good job.
2: Yeah, you know, way to go, Stephen Bassett. And this is one of the first stories where we've even mentioned someone in the UFO field. So you know, uh, <laughs> this is something where someone in the UFO field did something that that went somewhere. And good job, Steve. You know, way to go, Steve. Yeah. So, Lee, I think we, we've... Do we got time for one more? Do you guys
1: time to give us one more? Let me, let me give you one that kind of started formulating in, in, into my mind as, as the year ended and now as the year's beginning, was what I thought was the amazing news of how um, President Obama's latest appointed consultant
2: mm. is
1: former White House Chief of Staff John Podesta. Now, there's an interesting story. Podesta, who uh in recent years has been very public about his belief that the government uh has been hiding information about UFOs and UFO research and the government must come clean with this information to the public because the public can handle the information and and you know there's there's nothing more important than truth in government and he's been challenging the government to come forward with UFO stuff and now here all of a sudden he's the president's new consultant. He has the president's ear. So I'm, I'm going to be very curious now to see if he does anything with this, with this power that he seems to have of the president's ear. Is he going to suggest to Obama that Obama, as a way of uh, increasing his own popularity, because his popularity is at an all-time low, it, will he suggest that Obama release information about UFOs. I mean, wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall in some of those discussions at the White House?
2: That would be fun. I mean, we don't have any indication that Obama's been interested in UFOs. Um, uh, Podesta was part of Clinton's administration and was very into UFOs and and even um, admittedly, you know, pursued UFO information, uh, and he didn't get too far. So uh, I don't know if he'll bring up UFOs, but you're right. It is a big deal. It's cool that it demonstrates that a UFO buff can still, you know, just because you're a UFO enthusiast doesn't mean your credibility is completely out of the window. You can still be an advisor to the president. Absolutely, two-
0: yeah. That's a great point because, you know, he's not somebody who has this, this secret Kind of light casual interest in the subject. He's been very vocal about it. Uh, You know, he wrote the foreword to one of the best UFO books ever, Leslie Kane's book about uh, UFOs, pilots and officials go on the record. Um, So yeah, you're right. not everybody who talks about UFOs is blacklisted and uh, considered a weirdo and can't get a job. I mean, this guy yeah. is working for the president. so
1: Yeah, that's why I think this whole Podesta thing with his background in UFOs and now he's with Obama, I think that that's going to cause us to think about what kind of story we want to write going into the rest of the year because it's, it is a story. Even if we don't hear anything about it, the question is why? Why haven't we even heard anything from Podesta's office or camp? I would like to interview Podesta at some point and ask him
2: some of these questions.
0: Go, Go
1: for it, Lee. And then, I'll, and then I'll just give it all to you.
2: Excellent. We'll, we'll plagiarize that story from you then. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I think you're out of time. You've got to run, right, Lee? Yeah, I'm, I'm heading
1: to uh, another appointment right now.
2: All right. Well, Thanks so much for joining us, this was a lot of fun, and we hit on you know, a lot of what was on my list for the top story, I think, and uh, you guys thought of some I didn't even think of, which is fun, so uh, it was really cool, thanks so much for joining us, Lee. Well, I, I appreciate
1: it, and, and thank you for just only um, knocking me down on the, the Richard French story, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I knew you had to do it, but, but hey, you know, I, I had to be true to myself, too.
2: Well, of course.
1: And how, how how fun would it, it be if we
0: all just sat here and nod our heads and go, oh, yeah, I agree.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know. So, well done, guys. Yeah. All
1: right, so so we'll get together next year and do the same thing, right? All right,
2: same time, same that channel next year.
1: All right, thank you, guys.
2: All right, thank you to Jason and to the always wonderful Lee Spiegel. Of course, we give each other a lot of crap, but that's because we... We love each other so much, so um, that was a lot of fun, as you heard a lot of really interesting stories in two thousand and thirteen so really exciting and you know one of the things that we haven 't mentioned is there there was some you know other things done by uh, people in the field, such as people writing books, and uh, a lot of the authors and some of the best books, really the best books I think, that come out in the last year on UFOs we have those authors speaking at the UFO Congress this year, and uh, you want to register as soon as possible because the conference is just a a month away, and if you register right now, you know you're going to get a discounted price than if you show up at the door, so uh, just go to ufocongress.com. But Timothy Good, he wrote a new book. Uh, He's a a longtime researcher out of the U.K. He'll be there talking about his book on on alien contact. We have David Marler, who wrote a book about triangular UFOs. And uh, I am really impressed with his book because he went back into the records to find out that the triangular UFO phenomena goes all the way back like into the 1800s. So uh, really interesting stuff that he found. Uh, I think it's about time someone went in and looked at that phenomena in particular. So he's going to be there. Um, Also, another guy who wrote a book is Don Schmidt. So Don Schmidt, of course, is like the the main Roswell UFO researcher and out there right now. Of course, uh, Stanton Friedman did a lot of work in the past, but he's kind of carrying the baton and continuing to do work with his partner, Tom Carey. And they wrote a book this year called Inside the Real Area 51. And it's about Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And of course, the rumors are that that's where the uh, UFO was taken from Roswell. And that's what he argues. So he brings up, a lot of really interesting stuff about Wright-Patterson and how that's really the the top secret place where all of the cool stuff is being hidden. So those are some of the authors from last year uh, with some really cool stuff out. Um, Some of the other authors are like Artie Sixkiller Cart. She talks about Negative American, uh, Legends of the Star People, and a lot of anecdotes that way, which is always really interesting. And I think pretty much most of our speakers have written books, so really exciting stuff. So this is another book, too, I think was really cool, which is uh, The UFO Enigma by Robert Schroeder, where he kind of theorizes how uh, the UFOs might operate, and he's got a background in science, so that makes that really interesting. But don't forget to come join us for the UFO Congress, just at ufocongress.com, and go register right now. And uh, go do that right now. I'm not kidding. Hurry up. All right. Well, thank you all again for listening to the show. Don't forget you can go to audibletrial.com forward slash UFO radio and get a free uh, one-month trial to go download some books to listen to. If you haven't heard of, you know, uh, read Leslie Kane's book, you know, go down that, load that, and listen to that. Lots of really cool stuff there, and uh, why not try it out for free, right? So that's uh, audibletrial.com forward slash UFO radio. And then don't forget, of course, you can read all of the UFO news stories that we talked about at openminds.tv. You can also watch our YouTube where we have lots of cool stuff up there. We have a really neat case out of San Antonio, Texas, uh, Mauricio Ruiz, uh, you might re- remember his name he had this incredible video in the past and he's got some new sightings that we put up a video on that and then of course uh bi-weekly we have jason and maureen talking about ufo news on spacing out so openminds.tv and go look at open minds TV on youtube
1: again thank
2: you all so much for listening and thank you to the guys who donate the music so caleb hanks for the opening music and two Earth Minutes for the close. I hope you all have a wonderful week and we will talk to you next week. Adios mutatos!